Welcome back to Podcast and In Pinstripes, the official New York Yankees podcast on the Gotham Sports Network. Sam and Steve are back after a few week hiatus. And Sam, the Yankees have turned into the hottest team in baseball as we leave May with the best record of the past month. That is great to see, almost as great as seeing your face, man. How you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. I agree. It's great to see your face. 11 games over 500. The Yankees are playing some of their best baseball this season. The offense is risen in a big big way with some reinforcements on the way even though you lose a piece in Harrison Bader to the injured list Aaron Boone says he's gonna miss a few weeks not to worry this offense is scoring no matter who you plug in the lineup it's Jake Bowers it's Isaiah Connor Falefa it's Willie Calhoun it's Greg Allen hitting a home run out of the nine spot the other night I mean, what is not working on offense for this team right now? It's production one through nine. Is it sustainable with some of these guys? Probably not, but these are stretches you have to have. The Yankees have only lost one series uh, in the past several weeks here. Just stuff you really, really like to see. And the West Coast swing continues this weekend when they travel to face the Los Angeles Dodgers after a good showing in Seattle, winning two or three. Yeah, it has been a complete change the past month for the Yankees. Um, we last spoke, you know, they, they completed the sweep versus the A's, which was necessary. But at that time, we were talking about this team offensively being in the 25th, 26th in ranks of like OPS. Their home runs, they were, you know, 12-13. Your batting average was really low. Now you look at it. We had the most home runs the entire month. OPS, we were third in MLB, in MLB, which was awesome. And then, of course, over the course of the month, they lost two series the entire month. It was that series in Tampa, which they easily could have swept. And they split one versus Tampa. But then the other one they lost was versus Baltimore, which, again, it was a an extra inning game. So there, there, was, there was a possibility that the Yankees could have won every single series in May, which is fantastic. And even though they, with those two losses, like you said, now it puts them at 10 games over 500. They were 11 games over 500 at one point, which is the high high mark they've had in the year. And that insurmountable lead that the Rays had in early May of, of 10 games is down to five. And the Yankees are right there for, you know, this division is obviously not over. And it's led by the offense, which which is great to see. And it's led by one man in that offense, and that's the MVP, best hitter in baseball, Aaron Judge, who has just been coming back from the I.L., is on an absolute tear. He had his last 15 games, he's batting 377 with 10 home runs, 18 RBIs. And and that seems low. When you're watching him play, you're like, he's hitting a home run every single game. So it's kind of shocking to see he's only had 10 home runs in 15 games. He's got 18 on the year, and he's kind of like right on pace for where he was last year, where he had 62 home runs. This guy is a freak. Maybe that little time off did well because, you know, he's definitely, uh, you know, back to being MVP Aaron Judge. It's scary when he's at the plate. He's at the point right now where I'm expecting him to get on base every time. I know that's not realistic, but he just has that look in his eyes. He's making all sorts of plays, too. It's not just at the plate. Robbing Teoscar Hernandez of a home run yeah. the other night. Awesome. What a catch. He hit two home runs and robbed a guy of a home run in the same night. That's, gotta mean, be, that's worth one war, right? <laughs> just stuff you, you can't make up. And after the game, it was really cool. Teoscar, who has killed the Yankees for a long time, dating back to his days with the Blue Jays, tweeted at Judge why and added him on Twitter. (laughs) And then Judge responded, you've hit plenty of home runs over my head over the years. I just need to have one, LOL, or whatever. 
Sam, how annoying is it that on Twitter, like, you have to, like, triple check to see if that was actually Aaron Judge that responded because he doesn't have a check mark. I was like, did he, was that him or was that somebody else? I can't tell. That's but, so funny you mentioned that because I had that same thought sending that tweet to a friend and then he replied back. It's so weird not seeing blue check marks next to celebrities' names. But it, it's insane. It's insane. It's the wild, wild west. Yeah, but I think the, J- the Yankees have needed it since Aaron Judge has returned on May 9th. The Yankees are fourteen and seven. Like Aaron Judge got twelve home runs, twenty five RBIs, twenty walks, three intentional walks, including a ninth inning of a tie game with nobody on base to in, in versus the Mariners. He's batting three forty two, and like you said, he's on base all the time. Well, it makes sense because he's on base forty seven percent of the time. It's it's insane. He has become absolutely lethal, and, and you know this is kind of you know uh, there were some people outside of New York maybe thinking that. His historic season was it was a one year fluke, but he he's proven that without a doubt so far. You know the Yankees were cautious in putting him on the IL, but but that 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 break has really came out firing, and, and the captain's been 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 huge in all of that. It, it's uh and then the defense, like you said, the defense. You often forget about the defense. A lot of his he's got four games where he's hit a home run and robbed a home run in his career. So you're talking about that's fantastic. That's unbelievable. Uh, and this one, this home run, I think was the robbery. I thought was even different because a few of them, he's so tall, he doesn't really have to jump. Especially in like you know on the short porch for Yankee Stadium, he can kind of just like put his arm up and lean back, and, and that's a home run robbery there. This one, he needed to jump. He needed to get like a good two feet of air and, and reach over that wall. This was a legit robbery, and you know his uh, his height helped here. But I feel like a few of his other ones, I wouldn't call cheap robberies, but they, they were weren't as difficult. This was a ten. Uh, on the difficult scale, and probably one of his best catches ever. But over overall, he's led that offense. You know, how many times last year, not last year, early in this year, we were looking at Yankees losing two, three games, four or five games, you know, not really putting a, a hurting on them. Well, you know, they scored three, they scored 10 runs in three straight games this week alone. The, the offense is there. And you can say it's coming from, from all over the, the place. And the most shocking place it's come from. It's got to be left field or center field or shortstop. And it's Isaiah Connor for Leffa. Sam, what, what, what is going on with this guy who nobody wanted on this roster, but all of a sudden has, has earned himself a, a spot where it's weird if he doesn't start a game. Some of these hits are bloops. We were talking before the show that these hits uh, the other night when he had a few were like an average exit velocity of, yeah, like 40 miles an hour. He hasn't so, turned into Aaron Judge with the the exit velo, but he's, he's still gotten some. But the pop is there. Where, where'd that come from? I have no clue at all. He, he He's hitting some home runs uh, uh, over the past couple weeks or so. Few to his name on the season. I'm liking what I'm seeing. And who can't? He He's changed his approach with the plate a little bit. Uh, he, he's demolishing everything in the strike zone which is really great to see. And he's playing all over a little bit. He's providing some defensive versatility, and he does not look so bad out there in the outfield. And even if he doesn't start a game, if it's Bowers in left field or or something, he's going to be coming out as a defensive replacement. And sticking with the outfield talk right now, uh, Kiner Falefa's bat has allowed the Yankees some flexibility here. They're bringing Josh Donaldson back and Giancarlo Stanton back off the injured list for this week's series at the Dodgers. They also sent down Oswaldo Cabrera, uh, who yeah. was the in the middle of right there is all IKF. Uh, he was in the middle of a four for forty in uh, dating back to May fifteenth. So 
to sample size a little over two weeks. IKF, it's his time, and he is shining in a big way, and he's going to be getting at-bats. The Yankees still need left field is a bit of a revolving door right now. Yeah, and it's like yeah, we talked about that there. The the sabermetric stats of it all, like his his exit average exit velocity is you know it's up compared to him in years past, and his hard hit rate is significantly increased for him in his compared to his career. But overall, we're still looking at you know below average barrel rates, below average uh, exit velo, and below average and and walk rate too is another thing. He see he swings at everything and kind of hits everything. But when you're looking at like baseball savant page, there, there's some red. And you mentioned that the outfield, he's in the 88th percentile in outs above average and the 91st percentile in outfielder jumps. This guy, who's not an outfielder, has found himself a a niche in playing the outfield and playing well. Like, that's the biggest key there is, like, you know, we we talked about it all the time. Like, the biggest issue with Aaron Hicks, who is cut, then we got to get into that in a minute, was that, hey, if he's playing an elite outfield, we're okay with the bat being poor. If he has a really strong bat and hitting 30 home runs, we're okay with the, the fielding being poor. You can't have both, obviously. The Yankees' lineups are so deep, you can accept having one of them. If IKF is playing basically elite left field defensively, you're fine with him being the 8-9 holder and, and kind of slapsticking the ball all, all, all around. He's, he's not there for the power, and he's not really there for the average either. But oftentimes, people forget, he was the most clutch hitter besides Aaron Judge last year. He had the highest batting average on the roster with runners in scoring position. That's not bad to have at the bottom of your lineup. The last 30 games, three home runs, 12 RBIs, uh, bat- batting 267, and on-base percentage of 30, 315. I'm good with that. You can keep those numbers up over a strong series of point. Like, I'm fine with that being your everyday left fielder, which is crazy to say that that's Isaiah kiner Falefa. Sam, we were talking about all the players that could have been the left fielder during spring training. And he was, let's go through it here. We wanted, in order of our priority, we would say it would be would have been uh, Oswaldo Cabrera, maybe Rafael Ortega, Willie Calhoun, Aaron Hicks, Estevan Florial, and then maybe Isaiah Kiner-Falefa. In spring training, he was the sixth option for left field. And now we are in starting June. And he's the first option. Hicks is gone. Ortega didn't make it out of spring training. Willie Calhoun's a DH. That's fine. He's on the roster for 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 now. You know they brought in Jake Bowers a little bit, but as uh, Floreal it got DFA'd, uh, then came back in our system. It's crazy how it all how it all kind of what a weird turnstile of left field, and it's somehow stopping on IKF for now. I think we'll come All Star break. We could have the same conversation, and it could be about a completely different player for left field. So it's going to be very interesting. And you mentioned Stan coming back here, too. Is I think they want him to play the field. So that adds a new left fielder that we have to juggle here. But crazy run. Best best week of IKF's career in pinstripes by far. And it's fun to watch. You know, he had a four for five game versus the Mariners the other day. And you could just tell that the like smiles on his face. You know, Remember when he got traded? He shaved the beard. He was the happiest guy in the world. And it was all that stuff. By the end of the year last year, that, that smile was gone. Um, I think it's starting to come back, which is a, a huge thing when you talk about baseball being, you know, uh, a huge mental game. It really is all mental. Uh, and we saw that with Aaron Hicks exiting um, the Yankees and ended up being picked up by the Orioles. Uh, and got two he, hits immediately. He detailed that during his time with the Yankees, especially in the last year or so. Joey Gallo, when he left the Yankees, detailed the same stuff. He's so, bringing the locker room down. Really, it's just all about the mental state you're in when you're playing baseball. 
And when you're Isaiah Kiner Falefa and you're hitting the ball well now and playing well, it, it changes a lot about you. He seems to have that role in left field. You talk about that position, and the Yankees did not re-sign Andrew Benintendi this offseason. It seems like they wanted to keep that in a three-year pact. The Chicago White Sox with the five years. And I think White Sox are regretting that right now. They, they suck. <laughs> yeah, put it plain and simple. Uh, we, we talk about the Yankees adding players during the deadline every single season. I'm not sure what the top priority is going to be this year between the bullpen, the starting rotation, and in left field. I, I think you could see. I mean, we would have said left field. The wealth. We would have said left field two weeks ago without question. Like, no, hands down, you have to find yourself a left fielder. And I still think the Yankees will look at that. But it, it just opens up some options. Like I said, Jake Bowers uh, has shown some pop. Uh, you know, Aaron Boone said Willie Calhoun bangs. And since then, he's he's hitting better than the back of his baseball card. So he, he's banging for us right now. Um, it's going to be interesting to see when Stanton comes back. Because Stanton and the Yankees were both pretty public here of, like, we need to get him in the field more to prevent these injuries. Stanton's been talking about that for years. He feels like he's healthier when he plays more of the outfield. So he's going to start off at DH in with the Dodgers. But, you know, I would say by Monday or, or Tuesday, he needs to be uh, – we actually play the White Sox, ironically, ironically with Ben Nintendi for the first time. Stanton's got to be in the field. How do you put that outfield lineup there if Stanton's got to play – and you're going to be missing Bader probably till at least 4th of July. What's, what's like your ideal lineup here? Because now you'll be putting, I assume you got to be putting Judge in, in center, right? Something the Yankees Stanton, didn't want to do. Stanton in right, Judge in center, Greg Allen in left, Greg Allen in IKF, platoon in left. Where you go Greg Allen center, Judge right, Stanton left. Um, I saw, you know, remember that when we were talking about all those left field people in spring training, Aaron Judge was taking fly balls in left field. Is there a scenario where it's Aaron Judge in left field because it's bigger at Yankee Stadium and you put Stanton in right field for the smaller, you know, less less strain on the body in right field, and then, you know, you kind of wait for, for Harrison Bader to come back. So there's going to be some interesting options there. Like I said, Jake Bowers has been out there. I mean, it would be the Yankees could possibly have the largest outfield of all time if you have in Judge in center, Stanton in right and uh, and Bowers in left. I think you know. I think the Yankees might hold the record with Gallo when they ran that rotation out there once or twice last year. But it's uh, it's going to be that thing that I, I kind of mentioned five minutes ago. Is do you you're doing the offense versus the defense here? Of how are you going to do that? And I think the Yankees will will be miss mix and matching a ton there. You know, come sixth, seventh inning, if the Yankees get a lead. I think you'll see a ton of defensive replacements. Um, real quick, because I mentioned him earlier, Sam. Have you seen what Florial has been doing in the minors since he got DFA'd? I have not. He might be the uh, the MVP of the minor league baseball. He's batting like three thirty with twelve home runs since he came back. <laughs> it's insane. That's too funny. The it's Phillies a- have a situation like that too with old friend, uh, old Yankees prospect Jake Cave. They sent him down, and my friend texted in our group chat today, and they're like, "Yeah, he's just putting up Barry Bonds." 2004 numbers <laughs> in AAA. Some some players are like that. They're, yeah, they're they're four A players. I was just gonna say that. God, those those four A players will uh will come and get you and give you hope. Um, I, I don't think the Yankees aren't gonna touch him because then he's gonna be subject to waivers again whenever he has to go back down. And someone someone will definitely take him at this point. The other big name moving away from the lineup and the offense, which has been the main talk uh, of May as it should be, is the pitching. And we finally it. 
We finally got him back. He's 29 years old already. But Luis Severino is back on the mound for the Yankees. Injuries after injuries have, have hurt him. And it was, it's just it's just great to see him back on the mound. That that fire of Seve. Seve Sundays, I remember years ago, was like my favorite. Back on the mound, two games. He looks pretty sharp. Uh, he had that, that game in... Opened up the game with uh, the Reds on Peacock at, at you know, basically 6 a.m. For, for everybody to watch it. Um, and he looked pretty good in his first start. And he looked good in, in his next start. Uh, two, in, two games, 11, 11 and a third innings, 10 strikeouts, only two earned runs. Huge boost to the Yankees to have Severino back in, in this rotation. He's still got some electric stuff. He does, yeah. Which, it's so hard to believe he's 29 years old. Our first year doing the podcast was 2017, and that was the first year he really made an impact up with the Yankees. He was a 23-year-old fireballer that reminded you of Pedro Martinez. 29 years old, the Yankees still have him under contract for another year. I love how he throws the ball. He looked good against Cincinnati, and he looked even better against Seattle, which... Yeah, much better lineup well, there. Uh, no, who who did he pitch against? It was the Padres. He looked much better. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that that was a good lineup that he faced was the Padres. Uh, yeah, he he did make people look good. And then, but Sam, this is his his final year of that extension, so he's a free agent. That is crazy. He's a free agent coming into this, so this is a huge year for Severino and for the Yankees. Um, you know, this has got to be his big payday. He signed that four year, forty million dollar. Uh, extension and was basically injured for all of that. So it's uh, you know, him and Aaron Hicks kind of been tied together for you know signing that contract in the same week. Huge, just huge. I, I don't. Early talks I've been reading is that the Yankees aren't really interested in signing him long term, which makes sense given the the injury history here. But you know, I, a huge season, second half of the season for for Severino could go so far for him personally, uh, and you know for us more importantly for the Yankees. To just have that fire, we know he's going to bring it. Uh, he's he's always like I said that that Reds game was I did started at eleven thirty, but he had a strikeout in the second inning and he's pumping his chest ready to go. That is that's what the Yankees need in that rotation, especially because Garrett Cole struggled a little bit. You know he's he every episode so far this season has talked about how amazing Garrett Cole has been and how he's the Cy Young. He's definitely kind of taking a little step back. The home run balls are back, so for him to dip a little bit and Severino, it's just perfect time for him to come back into that rotation and, and replace Johnny Brito. You're right about that. And Cole has struggled a, a little bit. He, in his last five starts, 27 innings, he's given up eight home runs. He did not give up a single one in his first seven starts of the season. So that's some cause for concern. But I have no doubt that he's going to bounce back and, and right the ship here. Um, in terms of Severino, staying healthy is the big goal yeah. for me. I mean, it, I hate to say it, but it would surprise no one if something came up with him. It's like you, you got to wait and see. And like always, the Yankees are going to be looking to add a starting pitcher at the deadline, no matter if it's a back end of the rotation guy or one of the best guys available. I, I did read something today about our old friend Frankie Montas. He's still around? Somehow he still is. Uh, the Yankees were planning uh, August or, or, or September for him. Uh, he started a throwing program on Tuesday, and it still keeps the door open for, for a late season return. This is a guy who a lot of people were upset with his performance, and rightfully so, but his health when the Yankees traded for him 
was in a lot of question, and Montas even admitted that uh, to reporters during spring training. So he's still around. He could maybe come back, throw out a bullpen, maybe a spot start, but he hopefully remains an option later in the season. But right now, after Cole and Nestor, it's a lot of moving pieces. And, and Nestor's been Nestor for some reason can't get through the fifth inning. So you know, I, I you know at this point, even with only two starts. I had a Cole Severino Cortez just kind of given you know Nestor struggles after 75 pitches, you know he, the, the numbers there are shocking. After the fifth inning, I believe Nestor Cortez has a 16 plus ERA, which is worst in all of baseball. It's 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 shocking how bad it is. He had a nice start, you know, this week, but he did give up two runs in, in the fifth inning, and that that was an end for him. So you know. It's still not nesty uh, of old, but we'll uh, we'll see there. And then you mentioned Montas here, so we got to talk about the other elephant in the room, which is Carlos Rodon getting uh, getting some work in. Um, I, I, want, I don't want to get excited. I don't want to get excited about it, but he threw a 20-pitch session this week. He's going to throw uh, another bullpen session, I believe, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then, you know, that can start getting him on track to, to facing live batters and, and facing, uh, you know, a couple of rehab starts. So the, the clock is starting uh, on him. He said he felt no back pain. So a quarter zone shot for now is doing work. He's topping out at 93 miles an hour, which is low for him. But let's think about this as his first bullpen session of spring training. That's fine. You can expect that number to keep climbing and keep climbing. So, you know, maybe another month for him. And then you said Montas is like ahead of schedule. You know, that, that Slowly but surely, the, the Yankees are trying to build that rotation to what we thought was one of the best rotations in baseball once the, the signing was done and once, you know, everybody was healthy before spring training. They did place him on the 60-day IL. Well, they had to, however. yeah. That, that was to move uh, Tommy Kaling, another guy who's finally back, that, that we that's going to help that bullpen. So I think it's just a... Formality move is 60 days uh, already passed for him, which is fine. So it's retroactive. So I, yeah. I, I hope to see this guy sometime. Are we thinking late July, early August at this point for Radon? It kind of seems like right after the All-Star break is a, a tentative timeline. If you kind of do the math on bullpen sessions and rehab starts, you know, that puts him five weeks away. I think that might be, uh, uh, you know, given what his history has been and what's going on with the Yankees so far this season, given the injuries, I'll be pumped with that. You give me a post, post-All-Star post game, you know, Carlos session, uh, I'm in. But I, I, I would guess, you know, August for, for him. You know, August could be a huge month. It could be could be uh, Renone. It could be Montas. It could be Jonathan Loisaga back. So that that's probably a big month for the Yankees targeting with, with injuries. Um, and we'll keep a track on how that goes. But for, let's focus on the guy. I'm excited. I'm excited for Tommy Kaling to come back. Tommy tight pants back in pinstripes after a two-year hiatus. I'm excited for that. And it's going to be needed. The, the bullpen uh, of, you know, King, Marinaccio, Holmes, and Peralta are getting a little uh, getting a little overworked. It, it's going to be very nice to have Kaling back into the mix. Yeah, it's hard to believe it's been six years since that trade that sent yeah, wow. David Robertson, Tommy Kaling, and... Uh, Todd Frazier to the Yankees for... Um, he was the no-name in that. He was the name that no one knew that Brian Cashman said, hey, we don't do this trade without him. And, uh, you know, faced injuries. That's kind of why he left the Yankees. You know, he that Tommy John. But it was... Uh, it's going to be great to see him back. Great, you know, like we said, locker room, you know, is is important. And he's going to bring some great vibes to, to that locker room. I, we've seen him in the dugout so far sometimes this year. 
going nuts even when he's coming back from this injury. So I think he's going to be coming out full throttle. And kind of ironic for him to uh, make his debut. I'm assuming with the Do- you know, uh, at, at Dodger Stadium because that's where the Yan- that's where he signed after the Yankees didn't re-sign him. Um, and yeah, I'm sure he's had a, a lot of you know love for the Dodgers to help him through that rehab process uh, before he pitched. I think he only pitched like 13 innings total for the Dodgers uh, before getting that contract from the Yankees. So full circle for Tommy, and we'll see how how tight these pants could could possibly be this weekend. And it's full circle. Uh, the Yankees play the White Sox next week. So right after, you know, there you go. You think about that trade. Blake Rutherford was the main guy the Yankees Big, yeah. gave up. Yeah. And unfortunately for Blake, uh, it hasn't all gone well. Uh, he never appeared with the White Sox of the majors, and the White Sox ended up letting him go after last season. I uh, sent a minor league deal with the Washington Nationals, and credit to him. He's playing well down there. He's batting 365 over 21 games in double-A. I was just saying, he uh, hasn't even hit triple-A yet, though. That's crazy, given... Uh... He was the he was a big prospect. He was a big name for the Yankees in that deal. I'm pretty sure I have a tweet out there being like, "Ooh, this is a this is a significant package going back to the White Sox." But that's the thing with prospects. That's why people get crazy over prospect hugging. Is you never know if they pan out. So I mean, do you have the rest of that trade up there? Do you know who else we sent? Do, is it anybody? Do we basically get these three guys for free? I can't remember who else that was uh, was in was in that that deal at the time. I have it right here. It was. Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Canley to the Yankees for Blake Rutherford, Ian Clarkin, and outfielder Tito Polo. Clarkin was the name I really remembered from that deal. And then we actually also convinced them to take Tyler Clippard. Yes. <laughs> so that is a, that is an interesting deal that the Yankees... So the Yankees essentially got all those guys for free. And yeah, like you said, six years later, I guess no titles to the Yankees because they, they didn't... But that was a huge move for the Yankees at the time. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll be interested now that seeing all those names there and you know see what happened. Tyler Clippard actually still pitched a game last year, which is crazy. He, uh, he's been bouncing around the league all the time. So it's a cr- crazy move. Uh, I think it's one that people always kind of remember that one, you know, given the Todd Frazier connection to the Yankees. Uh, and and Tommy returning now, so I think I bet you that that trade is going to get brought up over under eight or nine times versus the the series versus the White Sox. Definitely could. I mean, what a what a blast from the past, especially if Tommy Canley appears in the game against them, which I'm sure he will. I just can't believe it's that was the first year of us doing the podcast, and it's been six years since that trade uh, coming up uh, on about a month now. So. Very excited to see what Canley brings. Uh, he's got the tight pants, like you said, the high-up socks, and he's got some electric stuff out there on the mound. And it was a great move when the Yankees decided to bring him back, and now he gets his time to shine in a bullpen where the Yankees have a lot of overworked guys like Peralta, Marinaccio, you know, Ian Hamilton, a lot of guys that have seen a lot of work so far this year. Uh, Canely is coming back, hopefully taking some pressure off there, and hopefully Jonathan Lewiska later in the summer. Yeah, that would be another huge upgrade uh, for the Yankees. Sam, I was about a week and a half ago, I was excited to talk to you about the mysterious mythological man uh, of Ben Roitvent. And we, we were unable to do the podcast last week. And he's already back in the minors and gone. And I think it's just perfect irony of his entire Yankee career so far of, oh, he actually exists. Let's talk about him on the pod. Oh, wait, he's back in the minors and we probably might not hear his name again all year. But it was good to see he is a he is a human. Uh, he's still jacked. Still only 25 years old. But that kind of reminded me of that 
you know a similar type deal that the you know the, the no name of the of a big trade for the Yankees getting Donaldson and IKF. But but Ben's there in the minors. Jose Trevino's on the IL, back off the IL, and back to being a starting catcher um, going on there. The Yankees haven't gotten too much from their catchers this year. Combined, you know, six home runs and a 215 batting average from the catching spot. So it'll be interesting to see kind of uh, what, what Ben continues to do in the minors. And we know that there is an injury there. Uh, he can come back up and reveal his face for us one more time. But glad to see him finally make his pinstripe debut and get a, get two hits in his uh, his first start for the Yankees. I was as well, and he made jokes about it, saying that he was, in fact, a, a real person uh, multiple times, which I thought was funny. But I think we could see him up again. The Yankees are rolling with Trevino and Higgy right now. But it, it, it was cool to see him come up. That's, that's for damn sure. Not much in the catching position, so... If he starts tearing it up in the minors and, you know, one of the two of Trevino or Higgy starts struggling, uh, both are out of options, though. Yeah, I mean, it would be due to an injury here, but it's, you know, it's also interesting. You know, I know Garrett Cole's excited for Trevino to come back. His number splits between the two catchers are, are drastic this year. So, um, you know, that's going to be one pitching, you know, matchup we're really going to focus on this week is if Cole can get back on track with, with Trevi behind the plate because he, he has struggled a lot with with, uh, with Higashioka and the, the home run splits between those two catchers uh, is huge. So something definitely we need to uh, keep an eye at from the from the catching perspective of it all. Um, before we get to kind of the uh, the rundown of the rest of the, the episode here, I want to quickly talk about Oswaldo Cabrera and, and Anthony Volpe. They're the two young guys that um, have we hope to bring a jolt to this kind of roster to start the year. Volpe is still the everyday starting shortstop. His numbers are are not great from a, an average on base percentage, you know, really lacking over there. You know, he leads the team with 68 strikeouts. He's batting under 200. He is bringing the power with eight home runs, and he's got the stolen bases that we all know about, but it's hard to steal bases when you don't get on base. And and the errors have become an issue, too. I obviously am not concerned. We, we've talked about the struggles that a rookie like him will, will face in in the in Major League Baseball from basically skipping, you know, triple-A. But um, what, what's your thoughts on the, you know, the month? You know, the Yankees were hot in May. But, but Volpe was not. But he's still out there getting his, uh, his, getting his at-bats. I go back to what Brian Cashman told him when he said he was going to come up. Or Aaron Boone, excuse me, said, we want you to develop up here. And he's developed, and there's been a lot of growing pains. He's below the Mendoza line right now. He's on base less than 30% of the time. There's growing pains. Nobody's denying that. But I think you, at this point in the experiment, you, you have to stick with him unless the fielding gets so bad that it's unbearable. I think you just have to stick with this experiment and let it play out. He hasn't been good, but he, I mean, he hasn't been totally, totally horrible. He's been pretty bad, uh, if that makes any sense. But eight home runs, he's got a couple other extra base hits, 13 stolen bases, leads the team. I think you have to keep going with this. Uh, if it's like this after the All-Star break, maybe you reevaluate some things. But yeah, I don't think they will. I think they're they're sticking with them, and I'm happy with if they they do. If it gets real bad, it's fine. I mean, he's had a real rough month here. You know, he's batting under under one one eighty in May, and his on base percentage is, is barely at the Mendoza line for for on base percentage. So it, it's been a problem. But then every little moment, you're like, oh my god, he's this is bad. This is bad. Like, what are we gonna do here? Boom, huge three run home run versus versus the Mariners. 
Like I said, the pop is there. So even like this month, like he struggled significantly at the plate, but he still got five home runs and six RBIs. And look at that. That power from a shortstop position is great to see, especially when we were looking at, you know, what IKF was doing last year and not being able to, to do anything with the bat. Like I said, the struggles will be there. He's still, he's still the Yankees guy, even though Oswald Peraza is breathing down his neck in AAA. This guy's got, since he's been sent down, he's got eight home runs. He's light and triple A on fire. He's proven that he is a major league baseball player now. Problem is, there's nowhere to play him. And that's where it's going to get really interesting for the Yankees in the coming months if he continues to hit like this. Because one, you really, I, I don't want to make the switch of, you know, you put Volpe back in the minors and you let, you know, Peraza take his spot. The, the, the what that could do to, to, to Volpe long term could, could be detrimental for his career. So if he's staying around here and getting on base and hitting home runs, look, if he finishes with 20 home runs and 30 stolen bases, he'll be the only AL rookie in history besides Mike Trout to do that, which is pretty crazy. I want him to hit above 200 while doing that. And, you know, he needs to be more patient. You can tell his, his hips are popping out. Uh, Jeff Nelson was talking about that a lot this, this past series, but I'm confident he gets it together. But it really does put an awkward spot here, you know, of what to do with with Peraza, and the fact that he's so hot at the time now, where Josh Donaldson's coming back, and Aaron Boone is publicly saying that's our th- everyday third baseman. How long do the Yankees wait to do Josh Donaldson and give him the Aaron Aaron Hicks treatment and let, and let him go? What what's the leash there? On, on Donaldson. All-star break, I that, think. So a, a month. That, that's a month, coming, yeah. A month. I yeah. mean, he really has not shown much in, in his time playing this year. There's been times last year where I thought he'd get it going, especially that series against the Red Sox when he had a three-run homer and a grand slam and back-to-back days to open the series uh, last July. But nothing has really amounted. There's been no consistency. He swings at horrible pitches. I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he's the... 2021 Donaldson we saw in Minnesota where he hit 26 home runs and had an OPS over 800. But I'm not confident at all. I don't think we're going to see much out of him, and I think the Yankees could cut their losses here. We've seen them eat $33 million on Aaron Hicks already. If the Yankees cut Donaldson in the middle of the summer, uh, they'd own $7, 6000000 million. Uh, more than that. would be like, if it's in the summer, probably like – 12, 13, but still, it doesn't matter. It's fucking the Yankees. Your billionaire company, just just do it. So it's billionaires' money. Yeah, I, I agree. It's, it's going to be really, really interesting because yeah, I, I think I think they're going to give him the longer leash of the uh, the trade deadline because you know, the Yankees will be on. You know, Glaber Torres is going to be in trade talks. Even though I love what Glaber's doing this year for us, he's been our leadoff hitter for the past month or so. But that could open up a spot for for Peraza. Um, and let's be honest, DJ Lemayu has hasn't been amazing. He's been good. He's been good. I mean, he's had some big hits, but you know his his on base percentage is way down. His strikeout strikeout rate is is through the roof compared to his 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 career. You know you're definitely seeing some some DJ slow down here too. So I think you're gonna have Donaldson's gonna take some at bats away from DJ. I think for the next few weeks, uh, and then you kind of evaluate what goes there. If you have if Stanton is really gonna play the outfield more, then you know that could open up a DH spot here, and you could play DJ at DH. You could put put Glaber at DH more often. And that, that gets you uh, at bats for DJ and Josh, but but I agree. It, it's at how long are you going to continue to to do it with Donaldson? Now that you've proven you will you'll eat the money on on Hicks. In the back of his mind, he's got to be saying, "I've got three or four weeks to perform, or I'm out of here." Um, so it's going to be that that's the biggest thing to look for, I think, in June because Peraza he's played third base in the major leagues now, even though he did in the minor leagues. 
He's he's got a bat. He's got a glove. Um, you know, there, there, there's no point. I know Aaron Boone says that. You know, you'd be crazy to not think that Josh Donaldson turns it around. Aaron Boone is looking crazy to think that Josh Donaldson does turn it around here. So I'm hoping you know Cashman takes it out of his hands and says, "Hey, we're cutting him. You, you got to start playing Peraza." That would be something. But I'm not. I could see it happening for sure. I mean, they put Volpe up there and they sat IKF to start the season. It's going to be very interesting. But I, looking back, I do agree with your assessment now of the Yankees giving Donaldson until the trade deadline. Uh, that makes a little bit more sense. The Yankees are going to be active in a lot of places. And we've seen them take the strategy, if they can't improve one area, improve another. Look what they did with Anthony Rizzo two years ago. I mean, who in their mind saw that trade coming? So Cashman was saying he, he couldn't – I forget what he couldn't improve. It was outfield, I believe, or third base. I'm drawing a blank, but there was a position the Yankees could not improve that year on the trade market, and Cashman pivoted to Rizzo, which was one of the best trades he's made in recent memory. So don't rule out him possibly thinking an infielder is in play here because we've seen some unexpected moves in the past. Uh, It goes back all the way 10 years over 10 years ago now, scary to think, when they lost out on Cliff Lee and he pivoted to Rafael Soriano, who was the best closer on the market. And it was all, always thought that he was going to close for a team, but he convinced him to be a setup man for Rivera, paying him $13 million a year. So don't, don't rule out an unexpected move this year, especially with how many positions on the Yankees are in limbo. That's shortstop. That's third base. That's left field. And if we're talking about Gleyber Torres, that's that's second base. And with, with versatile guys right now, don't don't be surprised if there's a, a guy in here come August first. You don't expect. Yeah, that's that's what Cashman's specialty is. You know, besides the Gallo trade, not often do the Yankees make the deal that you think they're going to make at the deadline. So. We'll we'll see what what there you know I don't nobody's gonna take Donaldson off our hands so we'll you know and, and worst comes to show not that we want to do it but like Peraza becomes the guy that everyone's gonna want the Yankees are like hey we're looking to trade for this guy every conversation is just start with well give us Peraza because he's not playing for you guys so like that's where the conversations will start for for when you're talking about starting pitching when you're talking about you know maybe a, a, a left you know a left fielder so that, that that's going to limit the market because I don't don't see the Yankees trading him but it's going to be it's going to be going to be interesting now that Aaron Hicks is off our hands problem one is done. Problem two is Josh Donaldson who who comes back and makes his de- debut. I'm assuming at third base tonight versus the Dodgers. So window is short there, and we'll see. Good problems to have. There's there's always it's always a good thing to have a guy in the minors tearing it up. So we'll we'll, we'll have to see what goes there. So let's bring out the schedule a little bit here, Sam, to wrap it up. We got three versus the Dodgers, and then three with the White Sox at home. What are we looking for versus the Dodgers? Dodgers are a very good team. You know the Yankees didn't have. You know, that group, that deep of a schedule in May, they, they did well. But, you know, they, like I said, they played Oakland. They played Cincinnati. Toronto's really been struggling. You know, so there, there are some teams that are a little, you know, the, the under 500 there. The Dodgers will be a, a good a good baseline for us to get there. It's always, you know, huge Yankees-Dodgers matchup. It, it will be great. You know, probably every game is on national TV. Um, and it starts off Friday night with Severino versus Clayton Kershaw. Like that's that's an awesome matchup, and then we got Cole and Herman uh, on Saturday and Sunday here. So what, what's your like uh, you know 
takeaways what are you looking for versus a nice uh, matchup uh, at Dodger Stadium? I'm looking for Cole to bounce back, especially if Kershaw beats Severino on Friday. That'll be a pivotal game. The Yankees will, will have lost two straight, looking to avoid a three-game losing streak. So that's one thing, a big Cole bounce back. He's had four rough starts out of his last five. And then Sunday Night Baseball, Herman on the mound. Herman has looked really good at times this year which has been good to see. It's been uh, a little sticky. A little. I totally forgot about that. I mean, <laughs> we, we got to touch on that for a second. <laughs> I mean. It's a problem. And he even acknowledged it and said that, hey, I need to change my rosin routine because he's still staying. It was rosin. He goes, I need to change my rosin routine, um, and that could affect how I pitches, how I pitch. He, he looked okay in his first start back. Um, but, yeah, big test on Sunday Night Baseball because they're going to talk about that for 75 straight minutes. Uh, on Sunday Night Baseball, and they're probably going to check him like 30 times on the mound on national television. So it's it's a problem uh, that we're going to have to have to see what happens there. Very, very interesting stuff. It reminded me of Michael Pineda back in the day, 2014. Oh, my gosh. that's Somebody texted me about that. It was a Red Sox fan family member, and they said – didn't the a Yankees got, guy get caught a couple of years ago doing that? And I was, I was like, yeah, it was Michael Pineda. And then I thought back, like, I'm, I'm like, holy shit, that was nine years ago. That was 2014. He still has pine tar on his neck from that day, I think. I it, that thing. Was <laughs> Talk about not shiny. hiding it at all. Yeah, Cole will be a big one. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna skip ahead to the, from the dot. I, I want to see Stan hit a ball back to the 405 like he did a, a couple years ago versus the Dodgers. Um, skipping ahead to the next series for Chicago, I'm interested to see how the White Sox handle the the deadline in a few months here because guys like um, Lucas Guillotto and Lance Lynn are facing the Yankees, and those are two guys that could be on the market for, for starting pitching. Those are guys that I think the Yankees will be talking to the White Sox about when looking at a starting pitcher. Um, you know, we know Lance Lynn from his, his quick stint with the Yankees, but there's a... There's some options here on the on the White Sox roster that are they're going to be the one team that I think people are going to try and pick players off of, whether it be rentals or, or long term there. So Dodgers series is kind of a you know that's a, that's for show, that's for Hollywood. I hope the Yankees, you know, I think they can take two or three. They can take the Severino and Cole, and and they they prove to be our one two. Um, will be fun. It'll be always great to see Hall of Famer Crane Kershaw on the mound. I, I would love for him to hang a hang a curveball to Judge, and he sends it to. Uh, to the, the Pacific Ocean. But yeah, I, I'm looking forward to actually this Chicago series a little bit just to get a look at their roster and see who Twitter is going to think the Yankees are going to trade for and who Twitter thinks is going to be a horrible move for the Yankees if they trade for that guy, whoever that guy might that, be. That will be very, very fun. Um, yes, some advanced scouting. The, the, the White Sox have a, a couple of players that could interest the Yankees in a month or so. Uh, I have to imagine come the 4th of July, some trades are going to get brewing. It's a weird week. I'm just realizing here, the Yankees run Sunday Night Baseball each of the next three weeks. It's at the Dodgers, against Boston, and then at Boston. Well, it's that stupid thing we talked about a few months ago, that the Yankees play Boston six times in eight days, and we haven't played them all year yet. (laughs) So, so dumb. Yeah. And and the the schedule's balanced, a little bit more balanced now. Oh, I do want to actually talk about that a little bit now that you mentioned it. Go on. Because I just saw that they play the A's uh, at the end of the month of June, 
just weird. They're in California three weeks apart. It's it's strange. They go out to Oakland, which is a long flight, and then they come back and they get the Cardinals on their way back to New York before a 4th of July clash with the Baltimore Orioles. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, the schedule is very strange. Um, <clears throat> and that brought up something interesting that I saw is with the more balanced schedule, they were hoping that's, that would lead to kind of more parity across baseball, but it also leads to less divisional games. And, and we've talked that the AL East is the AL Beast, and they have they still have everybody above 500 with the Red Sox in last place at 29 and 27. And it's kind of backfired a little bit here because it's the, the balanced schedule shows the dominance of teams like, like the AL East. They are no longer beating themselves up against each other. They they lost twenty division games, and now they get to play those division those twenty games against NL teams of who are you know not not that good. So it's going to lead to divisions like, like the Yankees and the the, a, the East have right now. Is um, I'm not sure if it's the case now, but at one point last week, four teams, the four best records outside of divisional games was the Rays, Orioles, Yankees, and Blue Jays. The AL East is dominating competition across Major League Baseball, and this schedule is leading to them having better records because of it. So kind of the, this balanced schedule is kind of showing the, the imbalance of teams division-wide, which I thought was really interesting to uh, a point that someone made. That's really, really wild. And then... You have the Oakland A's factor, which I was reading in The Athletic that, that some owners are, are, are pretty pissed off that this is happening with them, that they're going to have a great impact on the playoff picture. Like, they're not able to give a – I know they just took two or three from the Braves, but they're 12 and 46. Yeah. And a lot of owners are, are concerned that they're not going to be able to give a competitive game and down a playoff stretch to a team they need to lose. Yeah. Well, just think about it through that division. The Rangers and Astros atop the West right now, they probably lost four to five games versus the A's. And now Thank they have. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah. And now they go and face, you know, they might, you know, that could be a game versus the Giants. That could be a game versus the Dodgers that they picked up on. Which is a you know a, a huge difference when you're looking at you know strength of schedule. Whereas the Yankees lost four or five games versus the Blue Jays and Red Sox, and now instead of that, you know they're they're playing the you know the, the Reds and the Nationals. So like it, it's a huge kind of it makes the schedule in terms of strength of schedule more unbalanced or you know imbalanced, whatever you want to call it. But it, it's a it's something that it's going to be really interesting to look on given the first year of this. I like that we're playing. All NL teams. I think it's good for fans. It's you know for of other markets to get out there. It's pretty cool, you know, to be like, hey, we got a three game series every year versus the Dodgers. You know, the Yankees are going to come to Philly every other year, no matter what. Now, um, but it it is an interesting you know battle. You know, Yankees instead of playing the Rays, Orioles, and Red Sox and Blue Jays. You know, I think they went from seventy four games in division now down to fifty. It's a huge change of schedule. And it's a huge difference when you're looking at strength of schedule, which benefits the Yankees in the long run. It does. I, I love playing everybody. I'll get to see the Yankees in Miami every other year, even though it's a pain in the ass to get down there. I'm very, very excited for this. And it's great not to be beaten up on the teams in your division 19, 20 times a year. I just have the gripe with the Red Sox twice in six times in eight days. Yeah. And now imagine if you had to play them another eight times or whatever it is. Yeah. So, so I'm going to keep an eye on the rest of the year. Uh, and I think that's a good kind of point to wrap it up for this episode of Podcasting the Pinstripes as the Yankees are out in Los Angeles for their interleague matchup versus the Dodgers. Sam, it's always easy to crush through an hour of baseball with you. So thanks for listening, everybody. We will try and check in. Um, 
probably before that Red Sox series or right after that first one. You know, maybe we could squeeze something in there too. But um, that, that's how that's how we do it here. The Yankees, you know, the power's back. The Yankees' best record in May. Time to continue that in June. Give me your uh, your final thought, thoughts to the episode. You know, like they always are, keep winning series. Uh, I want Cole to bounce back. Um, it's That's going to be a big thing for me against the Dodgers. We see Cole a couple of times in some big series. He pitches against the Dodgers, and he opens the Friday night against the Red Sox. I'm excited to see what he is going to bring games are cold. after yeah. a rough month. Um, let's go Yanks. Let, let's go 5-1 and one over these next six and then take care of the Red Sox and win that series as well. I'm ready. The Yankees are playing well. The weather is going to be getting better, uh, and the Yankees are playing better right now. There we go. Already a 10-game deficit. The AL East is down to five. They did that in a matter of three or four weeks here. Let's see what they can do in June. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next episode. Go Yanks.